0: Hello, climate change. Here we are again. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. And today I'm having a conversation with Ellen Moyer, who is an environmental consultant, which I'm going to ask you, what does that mean? But tell me anything else. I'll tell all of us anything else we 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 might want to know about you
1: oh okay uh well i help clients uh clean up environmental contamination and prevent contamination and preserve resources so it's kind of a broad area Uh, a lot of what i do is um, dealing with groundwater contamination and cleaning that up And um, I have a bachelor's degree in anthropology, and I was very interested in learning how people lived sustainably or not in different times and places. Uh, And then I got into um, environmental engineering, got my master's in that, and then I got a Ph.D. in civil engineering. So I've worked for consulting firms, and right now I'm just working on my own. I've had my own company for 11 years, uh, working on various projects for public and private clients. And I also uh, write on the Huffington Post, and I'm working on a new book called Global Reconnect for our our Earth, our species, and ourselves. And it's about how uh, the current crises that we're in are actually a fantastic opportunity to ramp it up and evolve evolve to the next level. Mm-hmm. And part of, uh, evolving to the next level is dealing with this issue of climate change. So I look at climate change as kind of a in your face kind of symbol or, or feedback from the universe saying, Hey, right. <laughs> this is not working the way you're doing it now. You need to change it. And so We need to change how we do things, Mm -hmm. and both on a personal level and on a
0: collective level. So for me, the personal level is, I mean, I think it's probably true for most people, the personal level, well, maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. You've been interacting with a lot of people about this. Mm -hmm. For me, the personal level feels easier. Well... I don't know. Um,
1: One of the reasons I am writing this book is that I was very active fighting um, proposals to build biomass plants in Massachusetts. These are big um, electrical generating plants that burn wood to create electricity, And Hmm. citizens stopped it. I mean, we do have the power. (laughs) If we get off our butts and, you know, get in their faces and say you can't do that, um, it works. But I saw in the course of doing that work, um, a lot of people fighting the biomass plants would kind of get, um, well... It took a hard toll on them Mm. because they would be, they would get so committed and and give so much to that cause that they wouldn't like eat right. They wouldn't get enough sleep. So they, they, a lot of people didn't like keep their, Mm. their selves healthy Mm -hmm. and strong, Mm. you know, to fight, Mm. uh, to, to. Yeah, to fight, and so it it gave me the idea that you really have to build up yourself as a effective warrior, mm. you know, an enlightened, peaceful warrior. Right. Um. And it it it's not easy mm. when there is so much pain out there, so many problems to be solved. It's easy to get overwhelmed. Right. So, that's kind of what I mean by the the personal. Uh, level, having high goals, um, being really healthy, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that you can do things Mm -hmm. and having courage. So I I think a lot of that stuff is tough, (laughs) at least it is for me. Um, but on the other hand, um, individuals doing things is not enough to solve our problems our problems are so big that we need to change the rules you know we need to change the economic system yeah Um, a lot of things we can't do as individuals like funding social security or Mm -hmm. you know something like that (laughs) Um, not that that's environmental but just as an example well it
0: relates I mean because it's all about I mean, it seems to. I always think of climate change, or I have been thinking of it lately, as um, a glaring sim- symptom of of a uh, survival mode thinking that is is not necessary anymore. And arguably, I mean, I'm sure there was. I, I believe that there was a time that there that it was for humans. There was a very few of us at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have such a foothold on our 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 place in the world but that kind of thinking has gone you know to the point where there's been nothing physical to interrupt it until now and and mm-hmm. except for people who stand up uh, against oppression and exploitation but there's been nothing to stand up for the environment in an effective way until now. The environment's basically saying, like, yeah, we're going to just, like, get a big fever and sweat out the humans now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: you've seen the uh, cartoon of the earth at the doctor's office, and the doctor's saying, don't worry, um, I think this is about to run its course. You have a fever, but it's about to run its course. it's about the human species you know we're the virus on their way out but I really think it's a fantastic opportunity and that's partly because it affects everybody on the whole planet and it can't be denied Mm -hmm. and it just forces us to either adapt or Mm -hmm. you know really be diminished Mm -hmm. if not extinct
0: yeah and I th- I really love the tone of the what you're writing on Huffington Post you you're like continually pointing out hopeful examples and and ways in which we can orient ourselves to think of it, uh, of 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 the potential for me like I, the way I've orient, the way I've been talking about this on this podcast about the reason I'm doing the podcast and and is is basically that I feel like I felt bad about this for most of my life. I've seen it. I've seen the craziness, what looked like craziness and the way the human irrationality, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. A lot of it. Mm -hmm. And it has felt overwhelming and I have felt like I've had no power to interrupt it. Um, And, um, you know, just recently it, it it really hit me like that. Number one, uh, I have to try it's It's that bad that that I can't bury my head in the sand any longer, and number two, probably that idea of me having no power is is a myth um that that I absorbed when I was so young that it was maybe true <laughs> but mm-hmm. but it just has stayed in place all this time um, I haven't seen a lot of examples in and I have very, very wonderful family and well meaning and caring and all of that that, but I never saw them take on. You know, they never took this on, so mm-hmm. it just didn't seem possible. So I'm just kind of, I'm I'm wondering if you had a place where, what, what was that? Do you have a parallel journey or a different journey, or did you always, did you have better examples than I? Because you you've well, really dedicated years and years and years of your yeah. life to
1: I did have, this. I do have some amazing examples. Okay. My grandfather, yeah. Paul Green, was a... Uh, civil rights activist Mm -hmm. in the South way before it was cool at all. Like he'd be the only one out there trying to find lawyers for black people Mm -hmm. who were uh, in trouble with the law. Mm -hmm. I mean, just really courageous. and. um, So I, I do have examples like that. I guess the thing that really brought it home to me, though that That even someone like I would have power was the biomass wars that we'll i that, that, that i mentioned well where where developers wanted to put in these big honking uh, facilities to burn all the trees in our area uh,
0: to make electricity
1: yeah, very inefficient, uh, horrible for the climate, horrible yeah. for everything, and citizens stopped it. Yeah. And that's when I learned that hey, wow, <laughs> we really can do things. Yeah. And it it worked. Mm-hmm. At least until, you know, so far it has worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people still want to burn trees, but um none of those facilities has broken ground yet and it's been about 8 years, 9 years mm-hmm. or so since they wanted to to do it. So we do have the power. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people, vested interests, who would love us to think that, oh, it's so hard to change; you can't do it. You know, they go, "Yeah, honey, keep on thinking that. That's right on." <laughs> um, but it's a lot like uh, um, the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? You know, mm. click your heels a couple of times, and and you're you're, you're on your way. Uh, to a solution and uh, well, uh, I, th- I think things are really that easy as hmm. if people decide they want to insist hmm. they will hmm. and then things will change.
0: You know when you said the Wizard of Oz I had that image of the I, I didn't know which analogy you were going to pull from there <laughs> and the the one that came to mind was um was the the idea of the wizard being behind this curtain and with the I think of the movie The Wiz, that's the version of it that's stuck in my head, but with all the lights and um, amplifiers to make the voice feel more resonant and important, and it's really just a guy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and corporations yeah. Yeah. are just guys. Yeah, exactly, mostly guys. And just to be fair, there's, yeah. I, I read recently that there's more, um, there's more CEOs named Dave oh. than, than there are CEOs that are women.
1: Oh, wow. 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 So,
0: but yeah, these big, these big
1: massive corporations, they seem like such powerful structures, but they're just a couple of guys. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, they don't want, I mean, that's not the image they try to project, (laughs) but you know, I think it's just a matter of us deciding. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: a lot of the solutions I, wrote about in this article in the Huffington Post, technically simple.
0: Yeah, well, tell, tell let's go through them. Just a, you
1: know, stroke of a pen. Okay. But getting that person to hold on to that pen and sign their name, that's mm-hmm. it's politically tough. Yeah, one of the first things we should do is eliminate subsidies for fossil fuels and combustion-based energy. Right. Um that's just Taking away the corporate pork,
0: yeah
1: um, simple to do, and it's a huge amount of money. The International Monetary Fund estimated just how much we subsidize oil and gas okay. worldwide we
0: worldwide okay,
1: yeah, so this is money coming from regular people like you and me through our through taxes. our taxes. Yes. Yes. And then the government gives that money to the oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. And then the oil and gas companies can use that money to make their products look cheaper. So, in other words, they can sell their oil and gas for less than, say, solar Mm -hmm. that doesn't get the subsidies. And it tricks people. Right. Right. Because people think they're paying the price at the pump. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not. They're paying the price of the pump plus money in their taxes. Mm -hmm. And so it it just stacks the deck Mm -hmm. against clean energy technology. Um, So when the IMF added I think it's going
0: to be news to people. It's news to me that I didn't even realize we were subsidizing that. It's totally crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, wow. I mean, I, I've I've been aware of subsidies around agriculture that I don't think make any sense. Yeah. Um, as well. So, but anyway. Yeah. Go, and um,
1: the the just the magnitude of the subsidies is awesome. Mm. When they did this study, they came up with a figure of one point nine trillion dollars per year. That's a lot of money.
0: One point nine then, trillion. See, now that's year. why I have to stop because yeah. I have
1: to figure out what a trillion is. It's a thousand billion, and a billion is a f- thousand million.
0: And in the world, do you have any idea? Of oh,
1: seven billion people in the world. Okay, so we could figure out per person, but
0: wow, that would be interesting. <laughs>
1: But then the IMF did another study uh-huh. last year, and they more than doubled their wow. their figure, and it adds up to just uh, a significant amount of the global economy yeah. is just going to into the pockets wow. of oil and gas. Yeah. And the IMF furthermore predicted that if they eliminate, if we eliminated the subsidies. Mm-hmm. That carbon dioxide emissions would decrease by thirteen huh. percent. That's a big chunk yeah. of of greenhouse gas right. emissions, and that right. was that was based on the old study. It's probably a larger percentage based on on well, this study from last year. Even if it isn't a larger here.
0: percentage, it's still a lot more with the double numbers. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
1: So another one of my category. One, another one of my solutions is to eliminate agricultural subsidies. Okay, we were yeah. Because right. those subsidies go into industrial agriculture that generates a lot of greenhouse gas mm-hmm. emissions and creates junk food, mm-hmm. you know, corn and soy that gets made into junk right. food. And these subsidies are equally perverse. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are still subsidizing, well, and at least until 2012. I don't have data since then, but... Um, as late as 2012, tobacco was one of the top 20 recipients wow. of agricultural subsidies. I mean, that it's is really, really filthy. You know, that is really sick. And you can't claim it's for the farmers because they could just grow a different crop. You yeah. know, they you know, it's for corporate, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Um, so those subsidies are really bad, and they, they put organic at a disadvantage. And organic farming has about half the greenhouse gas emissions right. as industrial farming. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are not aware of that. Mm-hmm. And the UN has said that if, if, the, if we went to organic farming worldwide, agriculture could be carbon neutral whereas now it's the fourth biggest source of greenhouse gas emissions. Wow. So we subsidize... What? Here's the problem. We are yeah. subsidizing... But is uh, a
0: part of it is... Uh, oh, because part of it is... A, I'm just thinking about where the greenhouse gases are coming from in agriculture. I know that part yeah. of it is methane from cattle, and we do yeah. subsidize meat and dairy. Um, but is that yeah. the main
1: source? I don't think so. I think it's... Um, Making the fertilizers takes a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, the farm equipment, Mm. um, pesticides, all the chemicals that are used Mm. uh, creates a lot, and they don't um, often restore the organic matter into the soil, which stores carbon. Oh, and
0: yes, and also the fertilizers are often mined and shipped around the world, so... Oh, that would be part of it, too. Yeah, yeah or they're
1: made from, I think they're made from petroleum sometimes. Oh, so, that I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, there are a lot of different sources yeah. um, of greenhouse gases in agriculture, and I'm mm. certainly not an
0: expert yeah. on them. But that's, okay, so, those, so eliminating subsidies in two yeah. areas, that's yeah. two of your, did you say you have four?
1: Yep, and there, there's another area of subsidies that, that's insidious, and that's um, subsidies for logging. you know trees take up carbon dioxide and right. store sequester that yeah. that carbon mm-hmm. and every uh, nearly every country in the world subsidizes it the timber industry, in mm-hmm. other words, um, takes public money yeah. to help uh, companies cut down trees. Right. So that's a really crazy thing to do from a climate perspective mm-hmm. and from a lot of different other <laughs> perspectives yeah. besides just climate. Yeah. So there are three cases where we are directly subsidizing from the citizens' pockets activities that damage the climate. Mm-hmm. So if we mer- merely said no more of that, mm-hmm. you're cut off, <laughs> yeah. it would make a big difference. Right. Um, right there and it doesn't require any citizen sacrifice in fact we end up paying less because we're not paying
0: these subsidies i'm sure i can feel the the people who would argue with that in the back of my mind clamoring but yeah so you can have to say more
1: yeah well say um gasoline wasn't subsidized well no let's say let's say fuel oil wasn't subsidized And instead of paying $3 a gallon, we paid the full freight.
0: Right. But we're not paying it. We're not getting it taken out of our taxes anymore. Yeah. So but
1: that, say we were paying right. the full freight okay. uh, in an honest, upfront way. Okay. When, when we have oil delivered at our house, mm-hmm. the slip says $5 a gallon. And uh, we pay that and we know we're paying it. So mm-hmm. we're aware of what we're paying. Well, maybe solar would look more um, attractive Mm -hmm. to someone paying $5 a a gallon for oil, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for heating your house. So maybe you'd then say, well, you know, actually it's cheaper to to use solar, so I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. So better technologies would have more of a chance of being selected because they would both be... Uh, they would both have the full price tag on them.
0: Hmm. Well, one thought I have about that is, um, I mean, there's certainly any kind of growing pain associated with change. Yeah. You know, like, well, um, and then the other thought I had, but I kind of quickly, it feels like anybody who feels uncomfortable with that suggestion would probably start coming up with reasons what, for their discomfort oh, rather sure. than just recognizing that they have a discomfort, but they're, you know what I mean? So, like, well, I was thinking it through, and I thought, well, well, one discomfort might be, um, well, what about people who are poor, and they can't, they're not paying taxes, and the subsidies actually benefit them? And then I thought, well, but, you know, we can help them <laughs> without having to subsidize the cost of oil for everyone. So that's that, that kind of mm. went away pretty quickly when I thought about it.
1: Yeah, and you can be sure that... that the people who are benefiting from the way things are now are going to make a big fuss (laughs) if things start to change. All kinds of arguments are going to start coming out of the woodwork. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people love it just the way it is right now. And they happen to
0: be in control. And Uh, it actually isn't helping them. (laughs) They live on the same planet as us. (laughs) and uh yeah that's, that's i don't i think that's a hard thing to get for people to get their minds around including me on a basic level like um here's something that might get at it a little bit like years and years ago i lived so we're in Connecticut i lived on the other side of the state you know closer to new york city so closer to money there's more people with money there um litchfield county <clears throat> um and they were wanting to put they whoever the they is at the time was wanting to put a gas pipeline through our town and there was really good organizing happened and they managed to make it not happen and and now i live a half mile from the from the pipeline because they rerouted basically um to get around you know where there was a strong voice against it um so I mean, we're, we're beyond not in my backyard. It's like n- not in anybody's backyard is the way the thinking has to go, and and I think that's that's a hard place to get to when you feel like you can defend your little enclave, and then, but it has to be broader somehow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's one that.
1: of the that's one of the characteristics of climate change that is good because mm-hmm. yeah. it is. Uh, the whole atmosphere right. surrounding the entire planet. Yeah. So, you can't just do a local fix right. Right. In, in some regard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So, um you had another on your list.
1: Well, here's kind of an unusual one okay. that people don't often think of, but um but newsweek last December came out with an article about how we could stabilize the size of the human population on the planet if only we would provide modern contraceptives to women who want them.
0: Mm.
1: So not forced, you know, one-child policy Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but just women who want them Mm. provide them. Mm. In 2012, the number of unintended pregnancies in the world was 80 million, and the world population growth was also 80 million. So if you do the math, 80 million minus 80 million, right. you get zero population growth if those women hadn't had to have those unwanted pregnancies. Right. Right? Well,
0: and, and to be fair, having spent time working in an abortion clinic even even with access to birth control, there's a lot of things that get in the way of people using it properly or using it yeah. at all, yeah, besides access but but yeah, but that's very, very interesting to hear those numbers if we could if we could address that as a need it's whether it's only about birth control or um, education or and even and even our society growing up a little bit about the dynamics of sexual communication, um, you know, if we could get there, that would be amazing. So the, mm-hmm. the population is growing at, a, at, at an unwanted rate. That is, that is stunning, isn't it? And And Newsweek um, estimated that if we did
1: this, um, there would be an eight to 15 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Mm. worldwide. So Mm -hmm. there's another big chunk Mm -hmm. of greenhouse Mm. gas emissions. And then, of course, the other side will, aside from their moralistic um, arguments, Mm -hmm. will say, well, but it's expensive, but actually it saves money because the U.S. Agency on International Development Estimates that for every dollar you spend on family planning, you save $6 Mm -hmm. on health care, immunization, education, and other services. So anyway, there's another easy solution that saves money. Mm -hmm. It's just a policy change. Gives women what they want. Mm -hmm. What a concept. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. So so I think it would be interesting to hear a little more about what you do in your consultancy. Well, for consulting, I'm mostly working
1: on uh, groundwater cleanup mm. and also protecting water supplies against contamination. Mm. Um, so actually, my consulting doesn't have much to do with climate change. Oh,
0: well, okay, but we, it it does as in terms of um, the the uh, repercussions of climate change. We're going to be water is becoming and will become even more precious. Mm. So, yeah,
1: yeah. The drought in California is really bringing that to to
0: mm. high relief. Yes. Um, yeah. So and and so you end up talking to people about um how to test or do tests or what what is it that you actually do in consulting.
1: Um mostly figure out if there's a contaminated site, what is the best technology mm-hmm. to use there to to clean it up and there's a whole array of yeah. different things you can mm-hmm. do to clean up groundwater. And of course, the best thing is to not let it get contaminated in the first right. place. Right. So, um, one of the, one of my favorite projects was, uh, working on a study for the state of New Hampshire to advise how to protect public water supplies throughout the state from becoming contaminated with a gasoline additive that, that's oh. been very problematic.
0: MTBE? Yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I heard about that some time ago, but, um, I, i I think because I've had breast cancer and I know that it's most prevalent in Connecticut and Massachusetts, I've been kind of hyper aware of, well, what are the things that are going on in these states? And I'm I'm not really sure why. I I don't think it has to do with um, our lifestyle. I, Mm -hmm. I, I think I mean, in terms of diet and exercise. Um, Mm -hmm. and stress, maybe, I don't know, are we more stressed in Massachusetts? I mean, but I, but those are the kind of things where people, when you think about that disease are thinking about it in terms of your, what you have control over, it's easier to think about the things you have control over than the things that you don't. And Mm -hmm. I know we get air pollution from the Ohio Valley in Virginia or some, you know, where there are big smokestacks and stuff. Mm -hmm. But MTBE was something that kind of crossed my radar at some point. I don't know enough about it to really.
1: Yeah. I don't know that 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 would be a significant thing. I mm. think we just have more industry mm. per square mile mm. in in yeah. these heavily populated states. Right. That would That's be my point. guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we do get a lot of air pollution from the Midwest. But in California, they get air pollution from China. So, really, yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> and I'm sure it makes its way over here too. Yeah. So. We live in a very toxic world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to change the whole, mm-hmm. the whole way we do things. Right. I mean, a wholesale change. Yeah, and it may seem daunting and difficult, but man, it would be so much easier to not have to have things like breast cancer and yeah. you know all these bad things happening. Right. Um, I mean, not that. Uh, clean living would get rid of everything but yeah. man we are our country and the whole world is in a chronic disease epidemic now i mean mm. the world health organization um has a lot of a lot of documents about it you know they say uh depression is the number one cause of disability in the whole world um wow. yeah and then things like heart disease cancer diabetes, um, just terrible. And it's because we're importing our toxic lifestyle to the rest of the world uh, from the United States. Right. I mean, that's an oversimplification, but basically in a nutshell, that is what's happening Mm -hmm. and it's really affecting people's health and well-being if more people realize what the impacts really are mm-hmm. of our lifestyle, we'd be more motivated mm-hmm. to insist on change.
0: Yeah.
1: And really the, the number one r- thing we need to change and not to get off topic, but is to clean up our political system.
0: I don't think that's off topic at all. And get
1: money <laughs> out of politics. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause you can't really do anything right. much. Right. Um, Within in an orderly system, <laughs> yeah. As long as um, it's rigged the right. way it is,
0: right? Yeah, I, I for a little while there, when I was kind of grappling with try deciding to uh, become more active about this topic, or, or actually, it's really. I even though climate change is the thing that kind of got me awake it it isn't necessarily where I wanted to put my mind because it felt like like my first thought was campaign finance reform um because how can you address any of the many injustices if they're if, if basically the corporations own the politicians and um so that was the first place I went but but I also started thinking about the ways and all the ways in which we we behave as human beings, I mean, we as, I mean, but that in the broadest sense, irrationally. And then how do we kind of change that? And then that can be something you work on as a, in your personal life and in your social life and in your work life and in your citizenship life
1: mm-hmm. and your
0: activist life, if you, if you identify that way. So when you say polit- po- the politics is off to- topic, not at all, not in my mm-hmm. mind. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. 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 So what's on the edge for you? Like, what are you mm. looking at as your next thing or your, or where you mm. want to, where you'd like to, um, take charge or reclaim power or, you know, wh- or put your energy let me just put it even mm. more simply. Well, I think the big challenge is just,
1: um, motivating people to care more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really sad. Our minds have taken over everything. And, you know, we're all logical and Mm -hmm. scientific. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the heart has gotten kind of left in the dust. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think until people actually care about themselves, their kids, other people, other species, Mm -hmm. we won't have the motivation to insist on on change. Mm. So to me, that's the other root cause along with, um, corruption in politics is, (laughs) um, people just don't care enough. You know,
0: I would, I would put it a different, slightly differently. Let me see if you agree. Hmm. Um, I might say it's not that people don't care. It's that they can't look at it. Like they 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 feel so bad about it that they numb out around the things that they care about. I feel I Mm -hmm. I, I guess for me to keep hope, I have to keep in my mind that everyone cares deeply and does their best. And -hmm. sometimes their best doesn't look very good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but, you know,
1: if if there's a child in a burning building, You don't say, "Oh, I can't face it" or, you right. know, "Ooh, right. I'm, you know, I I can't deal with right. it." You run into the building and you <laughs> grab the kid and you yeah, drag him out because mm-hmm. you care about the kid. Mm-hmm. So you you get beyond all the yeah. the stuff, right. you know, that you're describing. Right. And so yeah, I, you know, I don't mean to sound too critical. I I guess I'm being more analytical mm-hmm. when I say people aren't don't care enough mm-hmm. because the behavior kind of proves it yeah they don't care enough to they don't to do execute. something yeah.
0: yeah
1: or to do enough mm-hmm. so that that's part of the challenge mm-hmm. we face is we have to really feel more
0: yeah
1: and and it's all understandable you know um People have less connection with nature Mm -hmm. now and you can, you can see how it happened, but nevertheless, um, it's a problem that needs to be solved. So on
0: the, Mm. on the one-on-one, on on the personal level, how do you encounter that? And, and how do you respond? Not that I'm expecting Mm -hmm. you to have the answers, but, but I'm just curious to know what is it like for you, you know, when you're interacting with you're you're putting oh. your mind on this a lot, and you're uh. I'm sure, in your day-to-day interactions, um, um, talking to people that you care about who are not thinking that way. What's that like? Well,
1: there? all I can really do is work on myself. Hmm. So I kind of, you know, I I like to write and and get thoughts out and. Um, try to communicate some of this, um, and then work on myself. I kind of really can't do much more than that. Mm-hmm. It seems, I don't know, that doesn't sound very impressive. <laughs> I, there's no expectation that you'd be impressive. But I mean, it, it sounds like not doing enough. But I think um, that
0: that's what everyone feels. Everyone feels like they're not doing enough. Hmm. Even the ones who look like they don't care enough. Really, yeah. I th- I have a feeling
1: there are a lot of people out there who think as long as they do recycling mm-hmm. and change their light bulbs, they are all set, you know, right. all done. Yep, I checked that off my list. <laughs> I've done the responsible thing. Yeah. So there's probably a whole spectrum yeah. out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I mean, I have a good friend who who is... You know, if everyone lived like she does, we would have no problem, you know, Uh just her. But but that's as far as it goes is like being an example of a healthy, clean lifestyle um, that's not a consumer lifestyle, but, um, you know, isn't going not going out of their way to to um, to call their congressman or any of those kind of things. That's I mean, that for me is that's the the place where the challenge is because it's something that hasn't been. I don't, I don't, I haven't grown up with the, I haven't come into my place. I am in my, I'm 45 and I'm still talking about growing up, but, (laughs) um, but I, I, I don't have a lot of examples in my mind of people who are doing that. And that's just part of what it means to, to care for you, to be a steward, you know, of your Mm -hmm. world. Mm. Um, So that's something I'm trying to like figure out now. Well, I think being an example
1: is, is good. Yeah. I mean, your friend made an impression on you and now, yeah. now she's being talked about on the podcast. <laughs> that's,
0: that's, that's, that's oh, good. Talking about um, it. When you were talking about caring, I think that like you kind of put your finger on something that I was trying to say earlier and I don't feel like I said it well, hmm. which is there's something about where, where the struggle is for me is about caring more and because I do I know that I care about as much as I can bear to care mm, right mm, now yeah, and oh. and yet like my husband and I just made a trip to California for my brother's wedding um, and so we were very aware of the drought and we're just you know noticing a lot about that and I watched him take when he took his showers he would get wet turn it off Wow. and he said oh this is what we used to do when, I, when he used to live in California years ago a California shower they called it and um and I was like, "Well, I'm not doing that." <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking like, "Well, okay. You know, we went for a bike ride and we saw um a cemetery with lawn sprinklers going. It's like, "What? Why?" Yeah, yeah. Why? And every place else is just bone dry, and here's the green grass. And so, <clears throat> you know, I'm aware that I can be really critical of, you know, the whatever's going on with them, you know, why they think it's okay. And, but I'm also drawing a line with what, where, where it inconveniences me Mm -hmm. to take a California shower, you know?
1: Well, this is one reason why I say we have to work on our collective Mm. institutions and policies because there should be better management of the water supply. Right. Uh, not just by individuals. Right but there should be recharging of the aquifers to build up the reserves Mm -hmm. in the groundwater for times of drought. Um, Agriculture should be putting more organics into the soil to maintain the soil moisture and and keep the water in. Um, There are a lot of things that that need to be done collectively. You know, we need our... um, our appliances and things to be more energy efficient cuz a lot of people let's face it are not going to take individual action and why should they have to you know in in yeah. in a lot of different ways right. uh, you know our stereos and TVs and things like that they exert a, a they use electricity even when they're turned off right can't that be engineered to really To deal with that, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. I, I plug I, plug in some of those things into power strips and turn them off mm-hmm. to to cut that mm-hmm. load. Can't they put the power strip type of thing in the device so that mm-hmm. it automatically happens? I mean, yeah. come on. So, mm-hmm. that that's where a lot of the solutions can be done. Um, before the consumer, without involving the consumer, just by doing things more intelligently Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and engineering things better.
0: So I think that... But as as individuals, we need to insist upon the infrastructure that's needed to make that happen, the, the, the oversight, so that those kind of rules get put in place. Yeah. And that's where, I think that's where the, what you said, w- we have to care more that I really think you're right on the money there. Cause, um, because it does feel tedious to, to have to fight yet another battle on a, what does it mean to fight these battles? We have to, we have to sit down and do our homework and figure out what it means for us as, as citizens. Like I never mm-hmm. really identified with myself as an activist ever in my life, even though I've gone to some, protest kind of things but I really like the idea of reclaiming my identity as citizen rather than consumer and figuring out what that means but it's Mm. like doing homework that's what it feels like
1: yeah advertising and everything has turned us Mm -hmm. into consumers instead of citizens and there are a lot of people who would rather us just be consumers you know don't worry your pretty little heads about (laughs) what I'm doing to your, you know, bank account, (laughs) you know, just keep
0: buying my stuff. (laughs) We'll just take a little each month Mm. for this and that and this and that. Yeah. Well, one thing that was helpful to me was I was listening to Charles Eisenstein talk. I don't know if he's someone you've ever heard of, but, um, but anyway, he was talking about how, because uh, you had mentioned earlier um something about like if there was someone in a burning building and uh, oh. you know we would go grab them why don't we know? um he was saying like that that example comes up a lot and that he didn't feel like that was the right analogy for the situation he said it's it's like there's a burning building and then you go out into the street and you see that all the buildings are on fire mm-hmm. and so and the way you respond is different now mm-hmm. because if it's one building, we know what to do, you know, get the fire trucks, you know, do what, what firemen do. We've yeah. dealt with this crisis before. It's something we can take on, but now there's like a hundred of us looking at each other and there's a thousand buildings on fire around us. And now we have to, in spite of the urgency, have to slow down and think. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That That's an excellent point. I think that that's the tough thing is that that this is an urgent situation that requires us to slow down
1: well in in some ways, uh, yeah, and speed up in but audience. it's too <laughs> it's too tempting though to slow down and just study study, yes. study yes. Agree, um yeah. so I am a little concerned that that we're we're doing a lot of talk and not enough action,
0: yeah. Um, Right. One action that I've taken, and it's so small, and this is maybe something that others would consider, is pick one or two organizations that are moving in the direction you'd like to see the world to move in, and then subscribe to their mailing list. And then what's going to happen is you'll get a lot of emails from them. But they'll give you calls to action. A lot of them will be can you give us $10, can you know? Can you give us two dollars? Can you give us a dollar? you know can you that'll happen but there's also and which is uh, you know which is not wrong but um but there'll also be call your senator today, tell him this, and click this link, and it gives you the phone number you know and put your zip code in or whatever yeah, so for the first time, I started to or sign this peti- petition, those kind of things. So I pretty much sign every petition that I think makes sense to me now. It's It takes me, it's, I almost consider it one of my jo- jobs for the week is yeah. to sign the petitions that come across my desk that make sense. And then also to, I started, I made my first phone call. <laughs> and I was yeah. really scared. and it's oh, dumb. Oh, I mean, because I just felt awkward. I'd never done it before. Yeah. And it turned out that the email came into my email box, um, into my mailbox after the vote had already happened and that the senator I was calling voted the way I wanted him to vote. But that particular, um, initiative was defeated anyway. It was about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, it's a small thing, and now now I'll do it more because it's not as as scary.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. Um, With the internet now, people can easily make a difference, and I I do a lot of petitions and calls. It's very easy and fast. In fact, I even have a system now called Ellen's List. Oh, okay. Where I get all these petitions that come at me, and then I kind of figure out which are good ones to recommend to people. And I have subscribers and once a week I send an email that lists them all. And then people can really quickly Mm -hmm. sign them. Boom, boom, Uh boom, the ones that they want, you know, they check out each one. Right. And, uh, it's a really streamlined way to do that. Mm. So trying to make it easy for people to get involved and yeah, in 10 minutes a week, you can make a big difference Mm -hmm. on a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of stay uh, informed as to what's happening. Yeah. It's really good. Good.
0: Is your <laughs> is your list something that anyone can get on?
1: Well, people should email me because yes. um, it's in it's in a prototype stage, but it mm. has performed really well. So oh, we're good. about to to go bigger with it. Okay. But so yeah. do you want to say
0: your email? address? Yeah, my
1: email address is Ellen Moyer at em-green.com. So that's E-L-L-E-N-M-O-Y-E-R at em-green, G-R-E-E-N, dot com. Okay. And uh, I'd be happy to add people to the list. Awesome. And uh, your information would never be shared. (laughs) Of course. If people want to check out my... Uh, website which talks about my the book i'm working on and has links to my huffington post blogs it's ellen moyer com.
0: i will put that also in the show notes okay that's so great. It'll, be, it'll be there it'll be on your uh, itunes feed or your stitcher feed or at hello info where this web uh, where this uh, podcast lives so thank you so right. much ellen it was, it was great talking fun, to you amy thanks all right well good luck with your next ventures oh same to you